All right. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all here. Uh, it'd be awfully lonely without you. Uh, this church has been empty for a couple of weeks now, uh, and so it's great to see all of you back. Uh, I know we've got a large contingency online this morning. I uh, just want to say good morning to all of you and uh, praising God that you are safe and, uh, and that we're here together. Uh, we're going to talk about the obvious uh, here in just a moment, but you know something that has been pretty heavy on my heart uh, is just the realization that life continues even in the midst of crisis, uh, even in the midst of disaster. Like life still is happening. You have to do laundry and wash dishes and pay bills and discipline kids and everything else. Like you still got to do that stuff. And we've had some great, great things. I just want to highlight a few of those. Uh, our very own Zach over here. Go ahead and stand up, Zach. Zach is incredibly handsome. Yes. Uh, Zach just got engaged over. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, not sure how he pulled that off, um, but we're, we're, we're going to have some talks with her and figure that out. But we are, we are just overjoyed with that. Our uh, little Teddy Rowan, uh, who's up here dancing, uh, just turned five on Thursday. On Thursday, yeah. So just really neat. Josh, uh, Josh Valdez got a new job uh, just recently. So just like there's good still happening. Uh, and I think that's going to be important for us to remember uh, as we continue to to progress. It doesn't minimize uh, anything. I, I, I'm not uh, so disillusioned to, to think that we still don't have pain and heartache. Uh, I know Tim and Steph are here uh, somewhere or they're in the lobby. God bless you, Tim and Ste Steph's in the doorway there. She's big mama ready to pop. Uh, we're just we're trying to coax that child to stay put. Uh, for a couple of weeks. So if you want to join us in that prayer uh, the, the past couple of weeks. So Tim and Steph, if you didn't know, for those of you who are joining us online and for those of you in this, in this room, uh, Tim and Steph lost everything. Uh, so their rental house burned to the ground. Uh, and uh, over the past 10 days, we've been, and many of you, uh, we have been uh, taking care of them. Uh, as our family. We talk about this a lot, that we're not just a, uh, an institution, we're not an organization, we're a family. Uh, we, we kind of, you know, if you, if you think about the waves in the ocean, we, we kind of go up and down, uh, to, but we do it together. Uh, and so when one's hurting, we're all hurting. When one is rejoicing, we all rejoice. Uh, we were able to get them into two uh, suites, uh, Aurelia and Tim and Steph and Steph's mom, Liz, were able to get them into two suites uh, yesterday, and so I'm sure they'd love for you to say hello uh, to them and uh, give them some encouragement. And then a lot of you, uh, you know, I know um, that there are people that are still not able to get into their homes because of smoke damage, um, smoke smell, uh, needing to have insurance adjusters come in, uh, and so there's just, there's a lot. Uh, I've spent uh, quite a bit of time at the command post uh, this week, uh, rubbing shoulders with heroes, just unbelievable heroes, uh, and not just the firefighters and, and the police officers, those are the obvious ones, but there's a huge contingency of, of federal, state, and local government um, volunteers uh, and people who will never get recognition that are literally pulling 15, 16, 17-hour days, uh, eight days straight. 
uh, and they're exhausted, uh, but they are serving, serving, serving our community. I have to admit something to you. I have not had time to, uh, to really put a sermon together uh, this week. Uh, the other day, I finally had about a half an hour uh, free, and so I just jotted down some mussings. Um, and so if you'll excuse me, I'm probably going to read a, a lot of this because I just haven't had time to, to let it sink in. Um, thank you um, for that. So you guys have seen the images. Um, you've seen the videos. Uh, uh, some of you have driven uh, the, the streets and the neighborhoods. Uh, if you haven't, all you have to do is Harper Lake is, is across our street. Uh, the south of there, uh, virtually both neighborhoods uh, to the east and the west of McCaslin are, are gone. Uh, there's various parts uh, also throughout here in Louisville and then where we live uh, in uh, Superior. Um, and one of the things I thought about the other day is when we see these things, it evokes emotion. It evokes sorrow. Uh, it evokes uh, compassion. Uh, sacrifice, introspection a little bit, especially coming off our series, our Christmas series that is not lost on us, uh, the idea of where is your home. Um, and most people during a, a natural disaster, we see them all the time. We see tsunamis hit. Uh, we see hurricanes hit. Um, coming from California, we had earthquakes, uh, tornadoes, fires, floods, um, and it's hard to fathom the sheer magnitude and the destruction. Uh, we see things on the news, and, and for those first 24 hours, as things were at its pinnacle, I'm sure you shared with the rest of us, uh, just that unknown. What is happening? Where are they? How close is it? Is the church okay? Are, are my friends and family okay? Is our house okay? Uh, Sandy and I gathered up our kids um, and sprinted out. Actually, we sat in gridlock for a while, but then eventually got out and got down to the springs uh, to my dear family uh, that were there. But disaster creates, and very understandably, uh, questions. And as I've thought about it, and I wrote some of this stuff down, the, the questions really fall into two categories as I see it, probably more. Uh, don't fault me on that. Uh, but I look at it in regards to the theological and the physical. Uh, so when bad things happen, that's what kind of bubbles to the surface. And perhaps this morning we can merge uh, those two dimensions into one necessary question for Christ followers. And that is, how do we respond to this? Uh, you know, now that things are slowing down, we're, we're taking care of those who are affected. We're left with, what do we do with this? In here. In our hearts. And for me, I have to keep thinking humor, otherwise I lose it emotionally. <laughs> um, so if I just give some bad jokes, it's just me trying to cope. Um, I want to read uh, Psalm 66. I'm not going to ask you to stand, just stay seated, and you could even close your eyes and, and just listen to this psalm. Here's what it says. I'm going to read the, the whole thing. It's, it's 20 verses. Shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of his name. Tell the world how glorious he is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before your mighty power. Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. 
Verse 5, come and see what our God has done. What awesome miracles he performs for people. He made the dry path through the Red Sea, and his people went across on foot. There we rejoiced in him. For by his great power, he rules forever. He watches every moment of the nations. Let no rebel rise in defiance. Let the world, the whole world, bless our God and loudly sing his praises. Our lives are in his hands, and he keeps our feet from stumbling. You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. You captured us in your net and laid the burden of slavery on our backs. Then you put a leader over us. We went through the fire and the flood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. So now I come to your temple with burnt offerings to fulfill the vows I made to you. Yes, the sacred vows that I made when I was in deep trouble. That is why I'm sacrificing burnt offerings to you, the best of my rams as a pleasing aroma and a sacrifice of bulls and male goats. Verse 16, come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he's done for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin of my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayers. So praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. Man, there's just, we, we could do a, an enormous series just on that. Uh, hope. You know, we have hope on our wall as you leave the sanctuary. It's big. <laughs> it's heavy. And it's lit up. And it's lit up for a reason. I hope uh, that what you leave today with is exactly that, that you leave with hope, uh, that you leave with encouragement. This psalm is a song of praise. It's, it's not just for a tragedy that occurred, but for the unseen work of God in a crisis. It illustrates the dependency of man on the greatness of God during times of trouble. It's a guide for us. Uh, it's instruction. It's a roadmap for how we are to respond. Some believe the anonymous psalm was written after Hezekiah's deliverance during a time of national distress, uh, significantly worse than even what we're dealing with, and yet the words are filled with hope. In, in fact, in the last in this uh, last section of the chapter, in verse 16, and I'm sorry, I didn't have time to put any slides together, so you just have to trust me. Um, Verse 16, the audience is identified as, quote, all who fear God. That's who the psalm's being written, two and four. All who fear God. And throughout this last chapter, the psalmist instructs the God-fearing uh, individual regarding our response to a crisis. And while no single uh, sermon or message can adequately uh, address all the difficult issues that are presented uh, during a disaster, the text does offer some useful advice to the Christian. And so we begin with verse 5, uh, and we'll end with it as well as we seek understanding. And here's what it says to remind you. Come and see the works of God. Come and see the works of God. Because I can promise you uh, 
God's hand, his works through many of you. I know Karen Hoppus worked her tail off uh, helping. Several of you took in families, uh, Karina, uh, Mimi. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on of individuals helping individuals as the hands of God. Natural catastrophes, uh, and I've been through my fair share both uh, in and out of ministry, in and out of law enforcement, uh, like many sicknesses and accidents, they leave us with a whole host of questions and emotion. And a lot of the questions, uh, whether we want them to or not, uh, are steered towards the morality of God. Sometimes summed up with the question, why would God allow this? Or why does he allow bad things to happen to good people or to people at all? And so that's where our questions begin to go. And the book of Job reminds us the debate about God's role in the physical disaster, and, and it reminds us that it predates the incarnation of Christ. Uh, Alex is, is known to say this all the time, is we have the hope. <laughs> we know how the story ends. Uh, but this idea of, of living through physical disaster predates even Christ coming and having hope. And unfortunately... During crisis and during loss and during disasters, uh, people will tend to rush to judgment on these issues and often will come to an error-riddled conclusion. And so I just want to address that real quickly. Um, this is not exhaustive. Like I said, this is just scribble. Uh, so there's so much more that we could unpack. But I think before we get to the hope and the truth, we need to address some of these error-riddled conclusions when bad things happen. Some would say this, and you might have heard this in the last few days, or maybe you'll hear it when you go back to school if you're a college student, or when you go back to work, maybe you'll hear this. Human life is nothing more than a way of selfish genes to multiply and reproduce. These individuals would conclude that life is both random and completely meaningless. When applied to natural disasters, these individuals who think this way would conclude it's just nature. Too bad. And that is a thought. That's an option. It's an option for you. Some would say this, if God is God, then he's certainly not good. If God is good, then he's certainly not God. God can be good or he can be powerful, but he can't be both. That's an option. Some would say suffering and destruction are a result of moral failures. Punishment for those who refuse to turn towards God. But I will say this, we got to be careful about that one. We got to be really, really careful about that one. Not to say there isn't truth in the words but I think we must be careful not to assign all suffering or disaster as a result of sin. That's really, really important. Uh, because this was the response, if you remember, of the Pharisees in the book of John with the blind man. Like, what kind of sin is he dealing with that, that he's having to deal with this? Uh, and that's erroneous. Uh, we have to remember that natural disasters like we just experienced they affected the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, it wasn't targeted. So that's super important. Some will blame God and try to assign uh, evil to the hand of God, that he ordained this, that he desired this, that this is his punishment, 
as horrible theology. That is the cross. The cross takes God's punishment. We deal with our consequences of our actions, but God does not punish like he did before the cross. That's very, very important. Others like open theists, they will doubt God's character by, by suggesting that God is always ready with plan A, and if plan A doesn't work, then he's got plan B, and if plan B doesn't work, like he's got all these options of logistics, and they've belittled both his power and his omniscience, and that is also bad theology. God reigns supreme. He is sovereign. Even when it doesn't appear that way, even when it doesn't look like there's hope swirling around us, there is. All of that, and we could keep going. I'm sure if we had an open mic, you could come up with either things that you've heard family or friends or coworkers say or things you've thought before. We could come up with a whole slew of those worldly responses to natural disasters. We contrast that with the follower of Christ. And here's where we get to the truth and the hope. Uh, the Christ follower trusts the wisdom and the sovereignty of God with, without making him the author of sin and destruction. Hear that. And this just isn't for you. This is so that you can repeat some of this stuff as you have conversations with folks. This is very important. The Christ follower trusts the wisdom and the sovereignty of God without making him the author of sin and destruction. You see, when we're facing a, a calamity or, or a disaster or, or just a horrible life situation, the follower of God has access to the very throne of the God of all gods. That's amazing. And two things that have really struck me over the past week, uh, number one, how unbelievably big the kingdom of God is. The countless resources, the hope, the peace, the, the provisions, the, the kingdom of God is enormous. And second, sometimes we can think that the enemy, Satan, and all of his cronies are out to distract us, to poke us, to lie to us, to disrupt us, to ruin us. And to be sure, those things happen, but that's not the purpose. That's the tactic. The purpose of the enemy that we see very clearly in Scripture is to lie, kill, and destroy. Make no mistake, the enemy is not out to make your life difficult. He wants to murder you. And he wants to take everything that is precious to you. He's not an annoyance. He's a murderer. And yet the kingdom of God is so big. But those two dichotomies between good and evil have just rested on my heart very, very heavily over the past week. Here's what uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, starting in, in verse 14, says this. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us home firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, and yet he did not sin. Verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There will we receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. 
just like Alex just said, these are promises. And those promises never fail. Those promises, when we have a good day, when it's Easter Sunday and there's, you know, bonnets on on women's head and Easter lilies and we've got food and it's beautiful or, or here it's really snowy and wet, like wherever you are, those are good days to hold on to God's promises. It's much more difficult when you look into the eyes of sweet Aurelia and realize that. She doesn't realize what's going on. She just knows it's not right. And so to comfort that little girl who's, I don't know, 17 pounds, you know, like tie her down with the wind, that's much harder. But the promises remain. The promises remain. Back in Psalm 66, the psalmist cried uh, to God, and his words indicate this sense of urgency and disruption. And true to his word, verse 19, God has listened. And to be sure, you have cried out to God. So many of you have cried out to God during the crisis, after the crisis, and I say to you, God has listened. He sits with you. He listens. And he has showed mercy. Even in the face of crisis, the people of God have placed their hand in the Heavenly Father's hand. During worship, um, Max and Naomi were worshiping with me, and uh, I just reached over and held Max's hand because I was thinking about this passage. That these people, during times of a crisis, during times of a natural disaster, took their hands and placed it in their Father's hand. And he held them. He just held it. He just held his kid's hand. And isn't that what we want? There's going to be a time to rebuild. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. There will be a time to rebuild. There will be a time to help. But this morning, I, I hope and pray you're able to set your hands in the Father's hands. And we do that for good reason. I want you to consider a few of the truths about God. Again, under the umbrella of there's more. I know that. <laughs> there's a whole lot more. But I just want to give you a few of these truths that I've been holding on to. Number one, God is unchanging. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that he is unchanging. James chapter 1, verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a sifting shadow. Never. He never changes. God is not like uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He doesn't vacillate between good and evil. His actions and his intentions towards us, he does not change like we do. And I can wake up in a really good mood. And I don't know, roughly a minute later, that could change. Right? I'm sure I'm not alone. God doesn't change. He is steadfast. He's a rock. And he's there for us. So thankfully, what else? God is good. God is merciful. God is gracious. He's loving and he's compassionate. Amen? That's who he is. Even as the tears roll down, even as we're frantically trying to help, even as Tim and Steph lay down in their bed last night, God is good, merciful, gracious, loving and compassionate. 
And we should note also that the mercy and the compassion of God, and this, this is for a different sermon, but I, but I do have to mention it, God will not permanently withhold the demand for justice in the face of sustained immorality. The latest numbers came out this last week. 97% of Boulder County is not affiliated with a church. Think about that. And God in his due time will deal with that. That's for another day. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, verse three uh, the word says, My spirit, says the Lord, will not always strive with man. We got to deal with that. We have to deal with that. And finally, uh, and certainly not the end of the list, but God is absolutely sovereign throughout the universe. I mentioned to a few of you, Alex and I were here when um, uh, President Biden flew over and we ran out the office door and, and could see it. Several of you saw it as well. And I, I thought, that's amazing, right? The um, arguably the most powerful man on the planet uh, just circled over Rock Creek Church. And that afternoon, he was gone. Busy man. He's got stuff to do. God hovers and never leaves. He doesn't even take a lunch break. <laughs> he hovers, and he doesn't hover in the sky. He comes down, and he sits with you. He provides for you. He comforts you. He strengthens you so that you can go comfort others. Almost every one of you in this room were untouched by the fires. And yet God so wants to strengthen you so that you can go be his hands and feet. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. So we must be careful here to distinguish between sovereignty and causality. It's pretty important. And while God certainly could cause a fire to accomplish his greater purpose, remember the, the plagues in Egypt? There's several. We have to guard against assigning evil to God. Instead, God rules over all things and brings all of those things into conformity of his will. That's what he does. So simply put, trust God's wisdom when you fail to understand his greater purposes. And I'll give you a caveat, that's hard. That's super hard. One ancient confession of faith describes this well. It says this, God from eternity decrees or permits all things that come to pass and perpetually upholds, directs, and governs all events, yet so as not in any way to be the author or the approver of sin, nor to destroy the free will and responsibility of intelligent creatures. All of that, he is sovereign and you can trust him. The bottom line, even into natural disasters, uh, shootings, uh, this has been a heck of a year for Boulder County. Uh, with the COVID crisis, with the economic uh, stuff going on, with the racial tensions, the shooting, uh, and now the fires, uh, even in the midst of all of that, you can trust the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.
So our invitation as Christ followers, again, ending with verse 5, the same way we started, come and see the works of God. And I would add, not add to Scripture, but add my thought, is bring someone with you to see the works of God. That's all I have. Um, I'm going to invite Alex up here. We're going to uh, give you a little bit of insight. So many of you have asked, uh, what are we doing? What are we doing to help? How can we help? What can we do? Uh, the, you know, and you guys have been amazing with that. Uh, on behalf of uh, the staff and the elder board, uh, we want to say thank you for your incredible patience. Uh, as you can imagine, it's been a little frantic even trying to figure out how to help. Uh, for one, we couldn't get into our facility for a while. Um, and just recently uh, off the restriction zone to allow you here. Uh, and so it's just taken us a little bit uh, to kind of get going. One of the things that, that I just mentioned is the power of the kingdom of God that, that he swoops in and, and does miraculous things to take care of not just those, and this is just God's heart. He doesn't just swoop in to take care of those who love him. He swoops in to take care of everyone he has created. Uh, how he does that, how he has the patience for that is beyond me, but he does. And what Alex and I and the elders have seen over the last uh, week very quickly is uh, just how big that kingdom of God is, the resources uh, that are available, the heart that is available, the hard work that's available. And God has positioned us as a church in a very, very specific way uh, that we didn't look for, we didn't know about. It came and found us. Uh, and Alex is going to explain that here in just a second. It's uh, an organization called Serve 68. And Serve 68 uh, was introduced to me by one of the MOPS uh, moms. You know, MOPS meets here the, the first and third Tuesday of every month. Uh, and one of the moms on that reached out to me and said, hey, my, my parents uh, serve as a volunteer with this uh, faith-based organization. It's the largest disaster recovery nonprofit in the state of Colorado. And they're volunteers with that. Do you want me to get you in touch? Well, I've had, I don't know, probably two dozen of those same type of messages. And every one I say, yep, share my contact. And sometimes it goes somewhere, some, sometimes it didn't. Uh, the executive director, Mike, gave me a call. Uh, and uh, what has happened uh, since that call is uh, a God-focused uh, partnership uh, with Serve 68. And God is using all the resources available to him uh, to channel through us as a church. So I'm going to turn it over to Alex to give some uh, explanation to that. Uh, and then we'll give a little bit more detail and then field any questions um, with that, kind of give you a, a vision for how we're going to be used as church. And then we're going to end with um, worship and prayer. Does that sound uh, good to everybody? Uh, I, I failed to mention this. If you need to get up, go get coffee, tea, stand in the back, leave, whatever you need to do, please, um, we want you to feel at home here. So, Alex. Cool. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, so neither of us knew about Serve 6-8. At all prior to this, but it's been unbelievable. And just to see the efforts of God's kingdom collectively has been awesome because we're we're a smaller church. Um, obviously, we're capable of a lot, but we are not capable by ourselves to take care of Louisville and Superior and all the people that are affected. So it's been really cool to see how God has connected us with other organizations and other churches because this, this connection also goes through City Church in North Boulder. Uh, City Church is... Uh, it, they're in network with Serve 6-8 as well, so they're, they're deeply in tied with this as well. And um, 
I got to go to a, a ministry leaders meeting at Flatirons Church um, almost right after the fires, and that was amazing just to see like 50 to 60 ministry leaders all in the same room praying together and uh, to know that we're not alone. And even as a church body, we are also something, we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. So if you're interested in this, uh, in this organization, Serve 6-8, they have a website, um, which is kind of bare bones, but what we've learned from this meeting with, with these leaders is that <clears throat> their whole organizational structure is to give the local church all the resources that is needed to handle uh, a disaster and care for people. So they told us left and right, like we want to enable you as the local church to be able to say yes to people's needs. And that's unbelievable. And so the way, the way they talked about this is we tend to think about solutions to big problems as a, having a centralized approach. We need a top-down organizational structure with systems and things to, like a one-stop shop for someone to go figure everything out. Well, they, they find that that goes really slow often. Uh, they told us that <clears throat> funds that are donated to the Red Cross and uh, a lot of other organizations that are, that are coming to help, those funds don't get released for probably about three to six months at least. And so this approach, it's a decentralized approach. It allows the local church to move and move quickly. We've got a lot of resources through them that we can mobilize and move right away. So they showed us this diagram, and I'll just draw it for you as well so you can see. Um, if you treat it like a funnel, um, Serve 6-8, what they do is they help funnel resources this way. So that's from national to regional resources, uh, business resources, because a lot of businesses want to help. Uh, Sam's Club donated a whole bunch of essentials to City Church, and City Church is in North Boulder being like, okay, well, no one's coming to us. How do we get this out there? So we've got this relationship as well. And then, so that draws all those resources in, and then the connection points like City Church, us, RCC, and any other churches that are going to be involved in this, it's not just about us as well. They are going to bring all the resources to us so that we can be the front lines in bringing it out to the neighborhoods. So it starts with neighbors to neighborhoods to the local community as a whole. So what we're really excited about this is that it's not on us. Um, we have already raised a lot of money, which has been really incredible. We know for a fact we're going to be able to take care of Tim and Steph and we, that... that for me, that's unbelievable because that's how the church should function. We should always be able to function and move in a way that our own are taken care of in every circumstance. But we already have a good amount of funds to take care of them and more. So we're already excited with that, but we're going to have even more. So what this is going to look like is we're learning a lot. They trained us for the first time just a few days ago on some of their systems. And <clears throat> for us, they, they want to enable us to be the relationship builders. So for us as a church, we want to be the ones to go into the community, talk to people. If you, and this, this is where all of you come in, really, because everybody probably knows at least someone who's been affected, even if you don't know them very well. It could be uh, an old acquaintance. It could be someone you've seen on social media. But we want to reach out to those people personally and say, hey, we have resources. We can help, period. We're just here to help. Um, and Serve 6-8 is going to enable us to build the relationships. They're going to bring the resources, a lot of resources for us. And then the whole idea is for us to maintain that relationship long term. We want to walk with people, not just for the first month, not just for the first three months, not for the first six months, but for years as it's going to take a long time to rebuild our community. And in that way, we hope to show the love of Christ and 
um, hopefully win people over, honestly. One thing that stuck out to me in that meeting is that we tend to divide care. We tend to divide care between spiritual and physical. And what that ends up doing is, you know, how many of you have ever said, hey, like, I'm sorry to hear that, I'll pray for you. That's great, but that's just a spiritual side of it, right? And then there's a physical side of it, and some people will say, well, I just need to figure out how to care for you physically. And they, they emphasize that, okay, if you look throughout the, the entirety of Scripture and the way that God has organized things, it's always meant to, to go together, spiritual and physical needs at the same time. So they want to enable us to say yes so that we can also bring the spiritual side of it, bring Jesus to a hurting community. And like Brian said, a large, large portion of these people don't, they're not affiliated with a church, which obviously that's not the point, but that's a, that's a key indicator to, sh- to show the spiritual state of Louisville and Superior. Um, so what does that mean for, for you? Uh, we're still figuring out a lot of things. Um, on our website, if you haven't seen this yet, we, we uh, try to make this as clear as possible. We've got a banner up top and this first card that says get, get or give help. Um, that's where we want to uh, guide people. So if we tell them to go to our website, rockcreechurch.org, hopefully that's easy to see. Otherwise, it's just slash help, and that gets them to this page. So to get or give help, the very first thing is, hey, do you need help? There's a care form, and this is what Serve 6-8 has put together for us. So if we can guide people here, it's extensive, but this helps us get to the bottom of what people really need. So this is what the form looks like. It, Like I said, it's extensive. It's very specific, but what this is going to enable us to do is to follow up with them and, and really meet tangible needs and say, instead of saying, hey, if you ever need anything, please reach out to us. How does someone who has a significant gap in insurance coverage just say, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so said they'd offer to help if I ever need anything. I'm going to go ask them for, for 25 grand, you know? Like, that's just not how this works. So this form is really, really beneficial for us to getting to the bottom of those needs and then reaching out and following up with them, gathering more information and figuring out how we can meet those needs or reach out to Serve 6-8 and other churches in the area to meet people's needs directly. So I would encourage you, anybody that you know, anybody that you know that is hurting or struggling or has lost a home or has been displaced for whatever reason, reach out to them, care for them as an individual and then guide them to this form, and then we will be able to start the process with them. We really want to emphasize that we're in it for the long haul. We're not here just to give some relief for the first, first month. This is We want to build these long-term relationships so we can walk with people through their issues and through their needs for the next couple of years and beyond. So I really want to encourage you to guide people there, to fill out that form. And for some people, this can be overwhelming. So even if it means like, hey, I'll sit down with you. And you can just, I'll ask you the questions, you can talk with me, and I'll help you fill this out. That can go a really, really long way. So that's the care form. And one of the, one of the things with that, you know, a lot of you have asked, well, can we start storing water at the church? Can we get, you know, 500 winter jackets, et cetera, et cetera? This is where I just want to keep focusing on the kingdom of God. There are a lot of churches that are outside of ground zero that really, really have the resources, the building, and the ability to help. What we're doing is we're really allowing them to be the storage and for us to be the distribution arm, if that kind of makes sense. So inevitably, uh, here in the next several weeks, months, to Alex's point, years, is 
that we'll be able to deliver things. We might need to go to City Church or another church here in town to load up those things and then go directly to a family that we are supporting. We had a family reach out uh, over the last couple days, needs $1,500 for a security deposit to get into a new uh, apartment living situation. We're paying that. Uh, well, Surf 6-8 is, is paying that. Um, but we get to be the arm. But to Alex's point, we want to take that further. So we don't, there's plenty of organizations that are just shelling out money, and they don't care about your name or anything about you. That's different than us. We want to, if we help a family, we then want to find out, well, when are the kids' birthdays? And we want to bring them birthday presents. Well, when's your anniversary? We want to send you flowers. Like, do you need meals, et cetera? So there's, you know, in psychology, there's real needs and felt needs. And sometimes those felt needs are the immediacy, right? We also know they're real needs, certainly spiritually, to Alex's point. But we also know they need psychological services, they need counseling, they need therapy, they need a hug, you know, all of those kind of things. And so just entering into that, we're still trying to figure out how we can best utilize our facility. Um, for instance, um, this week we might be able to open our doors uh, as people begin to meet with insurance adjusters. We have fiber optic, high-speed internet here. We have a beautiful lobby, different places to sit. We have a printer. And so we just want to make our facility a resource so that people can utilize it. And I will say Amy Anderson, uh, Kaler, geez, Freudian slip there. Sorry, Tanner, no offense. They're married. Um, I've known Amy for a long time as Anderson. It's just taken me a while. Anyway, Amy's just done a phenomenal job of kind of collecting all of these things on what do we have and what are the needs? What do we have? What are the needs? And so they were, uh, both Tanner and Amy, in on our training uh, as well. And so uh, just an enormous amount of help uh, going into this. Yeah. <clears throat> and so as we move forward to Surf 68 has a great structure, and we're figuring out how do we best use it and build our own structure because, again, the, the whole idea is to build relationships and make sure that we're not letting people slip through the cracks. Um, and this can also very quickly become very overwhelming for the few of us that are in on it right now. So we wanna bring more and more of you in on it as we go. So there's this section here as well. Um, it's entitled, Just Wanna Help. One is giving. Uh, we push this out pretty pretty quick and uh, a lot of people have given. It's, it's been amazing. We have a specific fund built just for uh, disaster relief. <clears throat> So we can keep pushing that. If, you, if people reach out to you specifically, hey, how can we help, and they live far up, further away, this is a great place to direct them, is just to help build our funds, because we're going to need these funds, again, not just initially, but for the long term. But the other piece of this is that if you have any resources, many of you have already filled this out, which is awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. If you have any resources at all that you think may be helpful, please fill out this form. It's on that same page, uh, backslash help. Your name, email address, phone number, um, and also, we're going to start asking, you know, how can you, what's your availability for manual labor as well? Because there's going to be a need for manual labor. We actually have one. Um, there's a family locally that their home is, is safe, but the smoke damage is so extensive they can't live there. They actually have to throw a whole bunch of stuff away. And uh, so a dumpster is being delivered tomorrow, and they're going to have it for a week, and they're going to need a lot of help getting that stuff into the dumpster. Um, so stuff like that. If you, if you want to raise your hand and, and fill out this form and just say, hey, I'm available for physical labor on these days, whatever it is, that's a huge way to help as well. But if you can just let us know what resources you may have, doesn't necessarily mean bring it to the church, but what, what do you have? And we, uh, Amy has also built a, 
an incredible database right now just for us to know. So as we see a need, if someone needs four people to come help throw stuff in a dumpster, we can go quickly to that and say, okay, you know, here's 10 people that have told us that they're available. Let's shoot them a quick text and let's get a crew over there. It's that kind of stuff that we want to be able to do long term. So I really want to encourage you to fill this form out. Uh, the other piece of this is as we build relationships is the, the technical term is case management, and that's the training that we did a few days ago, is that when we get a name, when someone fills out a form and we see their information, we then manage their case. That's our goal. That's the relationship piece of it. And what that means is walking with them, checking in with them a couple weeks from now, a month from now, saying, hey, do you need anything else? How have your circumstances changed? What can this look in? And, and that piece of it, managing cases, is it's a lot of relational work. It's a lot of calling people, being able to talk and converse with someone you may not know, and maybe um, collecting more information and knowing how to ask the right questions. These are all things that we can train you on, and then also being able to pray with people. So we want to start collecting people. If that's something that you, your heart jumps out to and say, hey, I've got great people skills. I've, I've done stuff like that before. I've got some skills that I can offer for that. Please let us know because we need to build that team so that it all doesn't fall on just a few of us. Um, but there's a, like we said, there's a lot of ways that you can help and be a part of it. We're still going to be figuring a lot of this out, but this is a great place to start is just to fill out this form and so we can start compiling names and stuff like that. Um, one thing I, I do want to say, too, before I hand it back to Brian, um, something that came up in the meeting, which I've known about but I hadn't thought about too frequently, but Brian was just giving Serve 6-8 a heads up and saying, hey, just so you know, uh, there will be pushback from Superior. They have pushback every city they go to and do disaster relief, but it's like, you're gonna have some extra pushback because there isn't a single church in the town of Superior. And it immediately hit the room of just a sense of what, this could be an opportunity for God to use the church to bust down that wall and get into Superior to warm hearts, to, to help people to see that Jesus truly is light and make his presence known there and potentially get a church there, whether it's us or a new church plant or something. But that's something that made my heart leap and I got so excited for is this, this is what the church is. Well, this is what it means to bring the kingdom here is to meet spiritual and physical needs and show the love of Jesus to our community. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, yeah, so just to, just to summarize real quick, uh, if, if you're feeling like maybe I could be a, a case manager, we're not talking like a part-time job on the side. Uh, it, we, it's, it's all prepared ahead of time. You work through a script to ask the questions, and you just kind of let us know what the family's needs are and pray with them and, and just be available. So if you're someone that's got some time, you don't even have to live here. So I know there's, a, again, a, a large contingency of those of you who are online, uh, part of our church, uh, Scott, Linda, uh, the Fedors, the Rices are online. I mean, th there's just a ton of you that are online. Uh, even if you don't live here, you live in Nebraska, you live in Canada, uh, we can use your help as a case manager. Uh, and so please, please, please let us know. Uh, you do have to have a little bit of people skill. Uh, so if you're like, I'm petrified to speak to anyone, maybe help us with construction. Um, but we, we do need to be able to talk with people and show some empathy and be able to pray with them and, and find out exactly what their needs are. So again, please let us know that. Um, also, I... Uh, uh, Sketchfolio uh, has been a, a huge partner of us as a church for many, many years, taking care of a lot of our printing needs. Uh, they have put together business cards that say Marshall Fire uh, Relief and our website. And so uh, here is the weather 
clears up a little bit, and now that people are allowed to go meet with the Red Cross and insurance claims adjusters at their home, we're going to be asking life groups to rally together, to put together a half an hour here, an hour there, whatever it might be, just to go walk neighborhoods and be Jesus in those neighborhoods, to offer a hug, to offer prayer support, uh, to say, how can we help? We do have resources at us as a church to hand them that business card specific so they can come fill out this form. We've already had, how many people, um, last I heard was six people who, who had already filled the form. I think there's more now. I think we're up to eight or nine last I checked. Uh, so slowly what's happening, and, and as someone gets help from us, in a, in a disaster, uh, word spreads very, very quickly. So when someone gets an immediate help, especially with all the other red tape with FEMA and, and uh, insurance companies, if they can get immediate help, that word spreads throughout the neighborhood. So we're going to be mobilizing our life groups to come to both Superior and here in Louisville and just walk. Uh, if you've never been a part of prayer walking, uh, we're going to introduce you to that, uh, but also to offer uh, hope uh, to people, immediate hope, whether it's a stuffed animal for their kids, uh, a winter jacket, boots, or, or money to get into a new place. We're going to be able to offer an immediate amount of resources. And I just want to cast this vision for us as a church. Um, there's a lot of churches, again, outside of the ring of fire, if you would, and, and they are to no fault of their own, uh, in the coming months, a year, they're going to go back to their programming and, and life. Uh, that's not us. And so I want to make sure we are all on the same page. This will be our primary uh, local outreach and missions effort for the next two or three years. Uh, and so we need to be in a place where we're thinking long-term, uh, we need to protect ourselves in regards to burnout because we're no help to the community if we burn out, uh, which is why it, it is going to require all hands on deck. We will probably talk about it every single Sunday. We will eventually get back into our normal uh, you know, sermon series and programming. Uh, Tanner and Amy are, are starting uh, youth group up again. Life groups are going to get started. We are going to get started with life, and yet the undertone that will be the thread that runs throughout all of this is um, literally a, a, a decent golf ball shot away are neighborhoods that don't exist anymore. Uh, and then you head down the hill, and it's even worse, and you head into Superior, where Tim and Steph were, uh, and then other parts in Rock Creek. And that's our mission field. That's why we're here. And so we're going to work tirelessly uh, to serve our community under the banner of Jesus uh, and make sure that people know uh, that God loves them, that all the truths we talked about earlier apply to them whether they want him or not. Uh, and we don't come with expectation. We don't come with, hey, come to our church. If we're going to help you, wink, wink, you better come to our church. Uh, nothing could be farther from the truth. We just want to help people in their darkest, uh, most difficult time. Uh, and we're excited to, to share this with you. If you've got questions, so do we. Um, so it's still kind of uh, being fleshed out uh, literally hour by hour for us as we kind of wrap our minds around it. Uh, I will say this, uh, and, and I'm going to end with this, otherwise we'll be here all day, um, is if you could please, if you're not following us on social media, whether you're here today or you're watching online, and maybe you're someone who goes, I hate social media. It's just a bunch of garbage. Most of it is. 
but it is our primary and fastest way to get information and needs to you. So if you could please help us with that, follow us on Instagram. If you need help making an account on Facebook or Instagram, we can help you with that. But then you begin to follow us, and we can, we can really uh, disseminate information very, very quickly. We'll still do the emails, uh, but social media allows us to do it uh, very, very quickly. So I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then uh, if you need to go, uh, feel free uh, to go. But we're going to end with a little bit of worship. Uh, and then, like our social media post said, uh, come early, stay late, um, care for each other. If you need anything... Uh, I can give you my phone number. Uh, I'll give it to those of you who are online. Uh, it's 805-766-6572. I'll repeat that, 805-766-6572. If you need anything, whether it's you are online or you are here, I may not be able to get immediate resources and to help you, but I will make uh, rounds to the elders, the staff, and many of you to make sure that need is taken care of. And so please, please, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out if you're in any need. Uh, would you please stand and let's, uh, let's pray together and prepare our hearts uh, to conclude with worship. Lord, we, um, we trust you because you're worthy of our trust. Uh, we bow to you. We worship you. And uh, we declare that our hope is in you because there's no hope anywhere else. And I, would, I just want to thank you for a room filled with people. I want to thank you for a chat room filled with people online. I want to personally thank you for Serve 6-8 uh, that is literally uh, infusing uh, money and resources and strength and wisdom uh, and organization uh, and it is your hand that is doing it as you stir the waters uh, nationally, regionally, here locally with churches and businesses and other organizations from coast to coast. Uh, you are pouring in and you're using this little church, Rock Creek Church, uh, to be your hands and feet as a conduit of your provisions. And so we rejoice in that. We are so thankful. And now continue to guide us uh, where, where we are weary and where we're downtrodden, where we're hurting, would you gently lift our eyes to see you, our great God and King. And as we connect with you, as our eyes connect with you, would we get in our car this morning and drive away with hope, hope that springs eternal. We love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.